Today is November 17th of 2023, and I am trying my very best to get through an entire Chapter 49 podcast and get the date right throughout the podcast. I have not had a good track record of that uh, in in recent weeks, so uh, we'll try to get the old guy shaped up on this. This is the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. Uh, I'm a retiree, and unfortunately, I act like it a lot. I uh, do uh, public relations and produce this podcast for Chapter 49. We represent Chapter 49 most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. So first of all, I'd like to welcome back our chapter president here for Chapter 49, Duncan Giles. Thanks, Larry. It's always good to be here. So uh, we just want to let everyone know that since this is the 17th of November, uh, the following week is Thanksgiving week. A lot of people take time off at Thanksgiving week. We are taking time off during uh, Thanksgiving week because we will not have a podcast next, unless something you know important happens. I doubt we're hoping that's not the case. Congress is not in session, so we're hoping that nothing serious happens. But uh, as we plan it now, we do not plan to have a podcast next week, so you will be back in, in, in about two weeks. So, yes, Duncan, you get to, to rest a little bit now. Yep, and I encourage everybody to, uh, you know, whatever time off you're taking around the Thanksgiving holiday, please enjoy it with your family and friends because that's what it's all about. And you've got your uh, tradition set, uh, so you're planning on being with family, as I understand it. That's what they tell me. I just go where I'm told, Larry. I just go where I'm told. Well, you know all about being married now, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) We both learned that lesson. Yes, uh, here, just pointing you in the right direction. Go there. Yes, Yes, ma'am. Um, let's get into our issues for uh, our podcast this week. As we record this on November 17th, that's the date, the president, uh, just really minutes uh, before we record this, signed the continuing resolution into effect. And so there'll be a two-tiered system. Some agencies will have their uh, uh, budgets expire in January, others in early February. It's not, they're not that far apart, really. It's its pretty close to the same. So first of all, Duncan, uh, do we know when the Treasury Department, our IRS uh, budget will expire next year? Uh, yeah, our, uh, our continuing resolution for us, as people call it, you know, the latter CRs, or my favorite quote that I saw, it's only two, so it's like a mini step ladder. Uh, will be February the 2nd. So we are now funded right now through February the 2nd with for the IRS. Yeah, they call it a ladder. I would uh, better describe it as a footstool. But still, uh, the, the uh, Speaker of the House said this will be the last continuing resolution, so we don't know what's going to happen next year. And I think the, the, the message that was sent out by the officials at National NTU and the signing of the CR by the president is that, you know, Congress has to get serious about finishing the budget. Now, the House of Representatives, the majority there, wants to make big cuts in federal spending in certain areas, not others. Uh, But I think the issue here is they don't have the final say on this. The Senate has a different idea, and the president has a very different idea. So this is a budget process, and the real question I think uh, we need to ask ourselves is will there be is there a possibility of a deal being made in the end, which the House, Senate, and the president can all accept? 
Uh, that's the way things are supposed to happen. Uh, Mike Johnson, as the new Speaker of the House, has uh, not had a lot of experience in dealing with this. Uh, what's your outlook on where we go in the coming weeks? Yeah, that's that's a very true statement. And, you know, he's been elevated to Speaker. He's never had to deal with these issues. Uh, it's all going to depend, to be honest. The Senate is going to be pretty well set. They've already done a lot of their discussions, been uh, moving their appropriations bills, or at least having discussions of them in the various committees, and they're pretty close. Um, the president knows what he wants. It's going to be the House that's going to be the wild card. And, you know, the speaker has said he is not going to do another continuing resolution. For that, I applaud them. Now, the problem's going to be is they're going to have to have realistic budgets. And the budgets that are coming out that they try and pass um, are very much not realistic. They're huge, huge percentage cuts, sometimes up to 30 percent. And the, um, you know, they try and get them even on the floor of the House where they have the majority and they have to pull them back because they know they won't pass because they are too severe or, according to some, not severe enough. So I, you know, I would strongly, strongly, strongly still advise folks to, you know, make sure that you have some money set aside because if we have that shutdown in February 2nd, uh, if we do not get another budget passed, is going to be the fact that because we're in filing season, many more people will be accepted, will be, uh, ex uh, you know, they will be told to come to work and you're going to have to go and you will be paid after they eventually settle something, but not during that. And those of us that live through the 35 day shutdown know that that can be a couple of paychecks, which can hurt an awful lot of people. So I just want folks to be prepared. I know I've, you know, said the last couple of times they're not going to be able to come with a CR. They're not going to become. I've been very pleasantly surprised. I'm one that likes to hope for the best, plan for the worst. And I just want to tell you folks, you know, make sure that you have some money set aside in an emergency fund, which is a great idea to have anyway, but to be prepared because I do not believe that they're going to be able to come to an agreement on the budget by February 2nd when this uh, continuing resolution expires. So if there uh, is a situation uh, in early February for a shutdown during the tax filing season, I know that we may not know the exact answer, but as best you know from what you're hearing and what we've seen in the past, which employees would be accepted? Would they be toll-free? Would they be service center campus people? Uh, there are others that would uh, be accepted during the tax season. Absolutely. I would expect uh, folks in the service centers, uh, especially in submission processing, but basically in all the uh, areas where the service centers have programs, I would expect accounts management. I would expect TAS. Um, and it's also very possible that folks from SBSE, Revenue Agents, Revenue Officers, and uh, LBNI could be accepted as well. So I think you're going to see a much larger swath of folks uh, for filing season, because I do know that they have two different lists, one for non-filing season, one for filing season. And I do know the one for filing season 
is uh, a lot more than it is for non-filing season. Yeah, based on that description, Duncan, most people at IRS would be working during a shutdown in filing season, correct? That would be my belief. I would think that, um, you know, you're going to have a lot of IT people off, which is going to be nuts. Um, a lot of your analyst staff and things of that nature, I think, are not going to be working. But the ones who are actually uh, interacting with the public, um, I think they will probably have as accepted, would be my guess. This is all an educated guess by me. I have not seen the exact plans that they have updated for filing season, but this is just what I've heard through different sources um, as to what it might look like. Well, let's hope we don't have to find out. That's the main thing. We hope the budgets are in place by the deadline next year, but we shall see. I mean, we've, uh, you, know, you and I have talked about this uh, this year on several occasions. And on three occasions in this year, uh, the Congress has come up with, with an answer. I think the biggest reason is that neither side wants a government shutdown. I think the problem, they know it's a bad look for them politically in a, in a political year, in an election year in 2024. But yet there are still people that don't seem to want to compromise. And, and you have to be able to make those big deals at the end to avoid something like a, a government shutdown. So. I think yeah, I mean, take, yeah, take a look at what just happened in the House. The passed a continuing resolution with the vast majority of Democratic help and some Republicans, but there were, you know, 90 plus Republicans who voted against the continuing resolution because there were no cuts. And then they basically tied up the uh, whole process in the House so no other work could be done. So instead of working the rest of this week, the speaker just said, okay, we're done and we'll come back after Thanksgiving. And that's the type of attitude that is not going to get us towards a budget process that is workable for everyone. And of course, uh, our biggest uh, concern at this point is what kind of budget IRS will have uh, and within our own agency where we're, where we're representing employees. And uh, that's still up in the air. I know what the president has requested, but we know what the Senate has done. But yet the House has really not come up with an IRS budget. Am I remembering this correctly? You are. And there are certain rumblings of saying, well, you know, they got the money from the IRA, so they don't need a budget, which is absolutely an insane thing to say because the funds from the IRA were for capital improvements to hire more people, things of that nature, not for the day-to-day -day operations of the IRS which still need to be done, which still need to be funded. And, you know, so we are going to need that budget as well as the remaining funds they have not yet clawed back from the, uh, from the IRA. So we are going to continue to watch this carefully. And I want to say one other thing. I want to thank all the members of NTEU in Chapter 49 and across the nation, people who do watch and listen to this podcast. It was your emails, your letters, your contacts with the, all these different congressional offices. Every single one of those contacts brought us to where we are not in a shutdown. So your efforts to talk to your local member of the House is so valuable. Don't ever forget that. I, I think that's a great point to make, Larry, because it's so, so easy to go on the NTU org, uh, dot org website 
to do a letter to your congressperson, to your senator, to let them know that, you know, you don't want to shut down, that you want to have, you know, your budget passed, things of that nature. It's very easy to do. And they do keep track of these. You know, they may not read each uh, particular representative or senator, might not read every letter, but their staff looks at them, they keep track, and they want to know what their constituents think. So it's a very powerful thing that each and every uh, person listening out there can do. I'll tell you a story. I had a relative of mine that worked in the office of the Indiana governor for several years, and her job was to answer the phone and to, you know, to write down what people say. There was one fellow called himself Joe Sixpack, called every week about the same issue. I won't get into what it was. But it got to the point where he would call and say, hey, this is Joe Sixpack. Just check it in. So we got you down, Joe. Have a good week. I mean, And they wrote it down every time. So don't think this is a, a futile effort, even if your member of Congress may not Oh, you feel be always uh, listening to you in the end when a deal is made, it, it could very well make a difference. So, so keep that in mind. There's one other aspect, Duncan, of, of this whole budget situation, and that's the pay raise for 2024. Now, the pay raise generally goes into effect during the first full pay period of the calendar year. Well, it looks like we may not have a budget passed when that full pay period of the next calendar year comes in. So with that timing issue, any idea how our pay raise is going to fall into all this? Yeah, this is. I think this is going to be a very interesting situation. Now, the president, for those of you who don't remember, the president has proposed a 4.7% pay raise across the board with a half percent locality pay. So it's going to be a little bit different depending upon what area of the country you're in. Now, when you don't have a budget, it can't really be baked into that. So what I believe would happen is, uh, you know, by if the president does say, okay, I do want this to move forward and it will be effective on January the 1st, then it's going to be going into effect while we're under a continuing resolution. Now, that is going to mean even less money for day-to-day -day operations because you're increasing the pay by that, you know, 47 to 5.2% or a little bit more paying on your locality. So that's going to impact operations. The other part of this is when they do uh, do an actual budget, what if Congress decides that that uh, pay raise is too high? You know, they could say it's too low, but I have not drunk near enough this morning to believe that. So what if they say it's too high? Are they then going to go back in and say, okay, we want a lower pay raise for this? Are employees that have already gotten the higher pay raise going to have to pay some of that back? How is that all going to work? We just don't know. This is uh, in a very uncertain situation. I would hope it would not come to something like that, but it's very possible that it could in this political atmosphere. I think the bottom line is we don't know what the pay raise will be. We know what the president has proposed. We know that nobody in Congress yet has objected to that or contradicted that. But still, we don't have a final budget deal, correct? And until we do, we don't know for sure. Yeah, because like I said, the president could say, okay, we're going to do the five, the 4.7 to 5.2 as of January 1st. 
And then once the IRS budget is approved, or actually this goes into a different budget bill for all federal employees, they could change that. And so, yeah, it, there is a lot of unknown right up in the air. The president could say, okay, we want to give a pay raise in that 4.7 to 5.2 once the budget situation is settled and the pay be retroactive to the first, the raise be retroactive to the first part of the year. That can happen as well. You know, we've, we have seen that happen. So there, there are some moving parts here that we're just not sure about. And this is the kind of thing that happens when you go into um, a fiscal year, you know, not having a budget. The other part of this is if they don't have a uh, budget by April the 1st, then it goes automatically to a 1% cut for all these agencies, which a lot of people are saying we don't want a 1% cut because, you know, that would harm these agencies. And then you've got other people are saying a 1% cut is not near enough and we want to cut more. So there is, you know, an impetus on both sides, every side to get a budget deal done, but for various different reasons and with much different totals in mind. So it's it's going to be uh, an interesting couple of months. Let's put it that way. So the whole budget situation is all tied together with all the issues we've just talked about since the start of the podcast. So we will continue to keep you updated on this. We really don't expect any serious movement until after the Christmas holiday. That, but, you know, they don't have much time after that. That <laughs> doesn't seem to have affected them in the past. So uh, we, we shall see. And we'll keep you updated and, you know, continue to stay in touch with your congressional offices, encourage your friends and family to do so. This all does make a difference and has helped in preventing a government shutdown up to this point. Let's get away from budgets and talk about something else. And this is something, Duncan, you and I like to talk about as much as we can. Maybe we don't even talk about it enough. We want to talk about a few areas where NTEU has made a very big difference uh, in the employees who work for the Internal Revenue Service, what we give our members for the dues they pay and the support they give us in many other ways. And, and I want to talk about three different areas. The first one is one that should be fresh in everybody's mind because awards are coming out at this time of year. Talk about how the awards have have fallen out, uh, uh, feedback you have received from people who are uh, just now being notified of what their award amount will be, be it time off pay or maybe both in in some cases. So, and I've talked about this before, the NTU negotiated the first awards agreement in the late 1980s and it's been around ever since. You've had some ups and downs as far as making it the best system possible. The management keeps wanting to tweak it. Sometimes it's helped. Often it has not. But we have somehow come up with with a system now that seems to work fairly well. I want you to talk about uh, about your your view, from your point of view, how the awards have gone this cycle. Yeah, I'm, you know, the awards are basically 2% of employees' salaries from the particular pool that you're in. And, you know, we negotiated with management, and it was tough for management. The more pools there are, the tougher it is for management, and the more opportunities there are for errors. So the budget, the pools have increased. And, you know, we're, but we're seeing, though, is an awful lot of great 
uh, awards. And that's this is one of my favorite parts of the job is when people contact me and say, hey, can you get me my awards information? Here it is. You know, and I love telling people how much they're going to be getting before taxes or that they're getting 40 hours of leave and this amount of money before taxes. And this is something, like you said, Larry, that NTU negotiated. This was not out of the goodness of management's heart. This is something that um, that they negotiated. And I can tell you from being on um, federal employee uh, websites out there that, you know, when people hear what our awards amounts are and what I see from other divisions of the government, what their awards are, ours are pretty damn good. Um, they really are. And I just want everybody to realize that, you know, our folks nationally who have been doing this for decades are continuing to push, you know, um, our national president, Doreen Greenwald, our national uh, head of negotiations, Ken Moffat, are pushing right now for an increase in the awards amount. They want to get it to an even higher than 2% because we want to make sure that employees get what they should be getting. So I, I just think it's, you know, I'm, is everybody getting an award? No, they're not. But when you're talking the top 55% plus ties in a particular pool, that's pretty good. And I, I happen to think it's a great, great program. Now, I know Chapter 49 in Indiana, we have not had a, a tremendous amount of hiring. We've had some. And the reason I mention that is in Indiana, we tend to have a very experienced, mature workforce, which means these folks have been doing the job for a long time. So uh, they are obviously very good at it. So we do get a very high percentage of our membership getting awards. Yeah, especially our uh, field folks, our ROs and RAs get that. And we've got a, a lot of seasoned folks that um, our call sites, our tax and uh, in our TAS division and IAT as well. So, yeah, we do get a lot of folks that uh, that do get awards. And I'm very, very Happy about that and so proud to represent them. So the awards program, again, thank a steward or official of NTU, wherever you're at. That's why you have the award system you have. And I want to say one other thing. You did talk about the fact that this is often a complex system. We at NTEU like to remind management, management, this is the system you requested. We put proposals in that wouldn't be as complicated don't complain about the complexity and the difficulty. You, the management, asked for the system that exists today, correct? Absolutely. This, you know, One of the things that I still remember talking to um, our national president or national vice president and uh, director of negotiations at the time that the present system was negotiated and say, why in the heck did you agree to this? And they said it was either this or nothing. You know, IRS was not going to come up with anything else. And it was much more unwieldy at first than it was it is today. But it was something that we wanted to make sure that we had in place so employees would be recognized for the good work, would be recognized for, you know, the higher appraisal scores. As well, they should. Well, and, and yeah, that's very true. And I want to talk about another situation that happened recently that was only settled because NTEU is your union that represents you. There was a situation where a group of revenue officers, I can't remember if it was training or a meeting, they were told to travel on Sunday 
so they could all be where they need to be first thing Monday morning. In fact, I think one section of this, this, this group of about 20 or 30 ROs were required to come to a meeting on Sunday night, if I remember this correctly. Um, they said, well, you're going to get compensatory time for that. NTEU came back and said, oh, no, you're requiring these people to travel on Sunday. You are requiring them to come to, at least some of them, to come to some Sunday meeting. This is overtime. Grievance was filed. Grievance has now, I don't know, settled or if, it's, if we have a ruling on it. But either way, what ended up happening was that uh, the employees received overtime for that Sunday travel. And those people went to a meeting, got uh, overtime for that. That's what the labor laws say, and uh, we enforce that here at NTEU. Yeah, this is just another great example of, you know, management making a decision, not thinking about the consequences, not thinking that these there's two uh, types of folks that work FLASA and FLASA exempt. And I'm not going to get into the weeds on this, but some are considered that you can't get overtime. You can only get compensatory time, but others can get overtime. And they mistakenly said, oh, no, you only can get compensatory time for travel. Well, that wasn't correct. They should have gotten overtime. And they're also getting liquidated damages as well on this. And this is one of those things where, you know, employees, including uh, chapter leaders who were told to do this, were like, this is not right. But they went. They did the right thing. They went ahead and did it. They contacted National NTU. And our legal department at National NTU filed this national grievance and said, this this is wrong. You're wrong on the law. You're wrong to treat these employees this way and got it corrected for these folks that were mistreated. And that's something that NTU does on both a local and national level every single day, whether it's filing a grievance or having a discussion with management, you know, locally or nationally, we do it both ways. You know, we're here to make sure that management treats the employees right. And do I think there was any ill will on management's intent on this originally? No. I just think somebody didn't know the rules, didn't want to listen when somebody tried to correct them. And we had to go this route. But, it, you know, we will always fight to make sure that the employees are taken care of. I always tell people, whether you call it FALSA or FLASA or whatever you want to, however you want to pronounce that acronym, it's the Fair Labor Standards Act. And you really do have to have a lawyer sit down and spend an hour with you to understand what FALSA or FLASA or whatever you want, what, how it works. Because I do remember when I worked as a tax law specialist years ago, NTEU got me and, and my colleagues who, who were in Indiana uh, as far, tax law specialists, it was one or two thousand dollars because people hadn't paid us correctly. So um, anyway, that's uh, so that's another way NTU looks out for your interests, looked out for my interest in my day and for these revenue officers in the um, settlement of this most recent grievance. The last thing I want to talk about is something we do, have kind of taken for granted ever since the 1990s. We called it flexi place to begin with in the 90s. As technology came up, we call it telework because you're really uh, getting into uh, your own computer systems from home or another third-party uh, place uh, where you're working. And and uh, that was something that NTEU uh, was able to get the management to buy into at first because the management was trying very hard to reduce space. 
Now, we had two different kinds of flexi plays. There was a, uh, there was, I don't know about the, the terms we used at the time. One was called hours flexi place, where you didn't have to give up your, 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 uh, your desk or wherever you worked. The other was, was where you were literally set up in your home. They all were, I remember the management telling us, oh, you're, you're going to get, uh, we're going to send furniture to your home and equipment to your home. So the few people that did that, Duncan, you should have seen the shape that equipment was in. That Those desks were awful. They were beat up. <laughs> they were used for years. They were probably going to be thrown away if they hadn't sent it to people. So most people used hours flexi plays. So the management never really got out of it what they wanted, never really got the rental space uh, reduced that much. So it's it's certainly evolved over the years. I think telework, it's, it's throughout the government. But when you look at the various union agreements throughout the federal sector on telework, IRS has one of the best deals. Why is that? Uh, because we've researched it very well. We've got a great staff that works on this. And they bring in the chapter leaders to do the negotiations as well, and they can provide real-world examples. One of the things that I always tell management, always tell them this, is that, you know, well, you know, I'm not sure if a person who's teleworking is doing the job or not and because they can't see them. They can't physically touch them. Well, first off, we have a lot of remote managers now, so that goes out the window. And the second thing I tell them is, is, if you have a bad employee, if you have an employee that's not doing everything they should be, they're going to be doing that whether they're in the office or whether they're at a telework location. Being on telework is not going to impact that at all. So, you know, if you think that they're not doing the job right, whether they're in the office, whether they're on telework, that you ought to be doing morning after reviews, you know, things of that nature. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, that's part of your job. Then you can't use anecdotal evidence or what you believe uh, for saying that, you know, an employee is not doing right on telework. And that's one of the things that we are currently in midterm bargaining over is, uh, you know, our national negotiator, Ken Moffat, and the chapter leaders that are in there with him are trying to expand telework, trying to get it a little bit better. Every, every chance we get, we're trying to tweak it to make it better for the employees. Because we're showing that it's not reducing the productivity of the service at all to have the employees do this. And so we're just trying to make it better for the employees and as well make it even better, uh, you know, recruiting and retention for the service. And, you know, people would ask me a lot when I was a union official, steward or official, you know, uh, well, what has NTU done for me? So I always try to go through a list I can think of at the moment. Those are just three examples we can find right now. There's a whole long list of them. So without NTEU in your workplace, it would be a very different place, and it would not be a good place for the people working in the agency. That's just our point to you by, by bringing these things up. One last matter here on our agenda. Uh, open season has now begun. So now the consumer checkbook is available. Remind everybody uh, uh, about that uh, a member benefit right there. Yeah, that's for folks who are NTU members can go on the NTU.org website, go under member benefits, and the consumer checkbook is there. And that gives you chapter and verse of the different plans that are available in your area so you can make comparisons, apples to apples comparisons on what the different plans are, what they cover, what they cost, 
what the catastrophic limits are, what the prescription plans are, what your copays are. They have all of that information in there so you can make an educated decision on what's best for you and your family um, for your, you know, your health benefit needs. And, you know, one of the things that I always tell people, well, it's just the two of us. Okay, well, look at it self and only and as well as family, self and family, because oftentimes yourself and family is going to be cheaper than yourself and uh, your partner, your spouse. So, you know, these are things that you want to take a look at. Do what's best for you. The only person that's going to be able to save you money and make the right decisions for you and your family are you. So please, please, please make sure to avail yourself. Take a close look at this. And, uh, you know, it's very easy to change on EPP. You do it yourself. It's an easy thing to do. And you can save yourself some money. So, Duncan, your final comment for this podcast. I have uh, a long one and a short one. Uh, the long one, of course, is Thanksgiving coming up. Just want to wish everybody out there a very happy Thanksgiving. Hope you take some time off to recharge your batteries a little bit. You know, be with family and friends. Uh, enjoy it because you don't get that chance all the time. So please treasure that. The second one is a very special message to Dave in Louisiana. I hope the sound of my voice helps you sleep tonight when you listen to this podcast. Do we need an explanation for that? Nope. I, that person will know who they are. They send a comment like that in. This is what they get. And so we're people will people know who the, there will be people who know where that is and they can ask him. So people are using our podcast to take a nap. Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure what he's doing before he goes to sleep. I told him I'm not old enough to ask, but I just wanted to give him that little plug with a pleasant little voice for him. How old do you have to be to ask? I'm not sure, but I'm not old enough. <laughs> <laughs> My final comment is, is, is much like yours. I think Thanksgiving is a time when we need to remember things to which we can give thanks. And, and, most people my age particularly have had ups and downs in their lives. There have been times when things have been pretty bad, uh, when uh, times are very good. So I would just say no matter whether things are good or bad for you now, there's always a lot to be thankful for. So please appreciate what you know is, is something you can be thankful for and spend a little time during the Thanksgiving holiday uh, doing that. And I'll tell you, I also give thanks for the people who actually have to come in and work on the Friday after Thanksgiving. You know, there's some people that have to do that. And it goes, and if people all want to be off the same day and you need somebody in the office, it, it goes by uh, seniority, as you well know. So it's the people on the lower end of the seniority, unless people who are higher. I used to enjoy coming in the Friday after Thanksgiving because so few people were there, I could get a lot of work done. But that's just for me. And that wasn't every my, year. My, my awesome wife, Kim, is going to be going into her job uh, okay. on the day after Thanksgiving to do some work. You've been listening to the Chapter 49 podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. Duncan Giles, our chapter president, has joined me as he does on all these podcasts that we've um, been going three or four years. We've, I don't know how we've continued to do this. I don't know. We will take a, a week off for Thanksgiving, and hopefully if all goes well, we will be back 
in a couple of weeks to update you on the latest uh, news and, and information that we uh, can put together for you. So in the meantime, thanks so much for watching and listening. Please be safe and be kind. <laughs>